The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Thank you, Tom, for for reading that passage for us. And we're glad that that you're here this morning. We are engaged in a new series of lessons that that we began last week, um, talking about being set free. And so we're addressing um, the the burdens of life that that often um, we face. And so being set free from um, debt and, and clutter and a busy schedule and those things. And so... In this study, we're seeing how Jesus addresses these, these aspects of our life, uh, these things that, that enslave us and overwhelm us. And, and last week, what I did is I challenged you to begin to create some space in your life. And so you were supposed to give something up. You were supposed to quit something. You were supposed to uh, maybe get rid of something. Because if we're going to be a blessing to others, if we want our lives to flourish, if we're going to give ourselves to what matters most, then we need to begin by creating some space in our lives. Because if we're too busy or if we have too much debt, then our lives can literally be choked to death by the cares of this world. Uh, We we looked at how Jesus warns against that last week in, in the parable of the sower. And so if that's the case, if that's the life we're living, then we're not going to have an abundant life. We need to make space for God in our lives. We must free ourselves from worldly burdens so that we can do what we are created to do and be a blessing to others. And so today we want to to switch gears a little bit and we're going to examine what matters most. And so we want to look at the meaning of life. We want to look at what we are giving ourselves to and make sure it is bringing us fulfillment rather than creating stress and anxiety in our lives. Let me say that again. We want to look at what we are giving our lives to and make sure it is bringing us fulfillment rather than creating stress and anxiety in our lives. So I want to begin with a a long quote from Thomas Merton which is found in his book, No Man is an Island. And and just stick with me here. I think this is an important quote, and I'm going to unpack it some after I read it. But he writes, No matter how ruined man and his world may seem to be, no matter how terrible man's despair may become, as long as he continues to be a man, his very humanity continues to tell him that his life has a meaning. That indeed is one reason why man tends to rebel against himself. If he could, without effort, see what the meaning of life is, and if he could fulfill his ultimate purpose without trouble, he would never question the fact that life is well worth living. Or, if he saw at once that life had no purpose and no meaning, the question would never arise. In either case, man would not be capable of finding himself so much of a problem. Our life as individual persons and as members of a perplexed and struggling race provokes us with evidence that it must have meaning. Part of the meaning still escapes us, yet our purpose in life is to discover this meaning and live according to it. 
So again, I know that's a long quote and it's kind of deep, but what is Merton saying here? He is saying that we have anxiety and stress in our lives when we do not know what the meaning of life is. He says if there was no meaning to life, then this problem would not exist. The question would never come up. But deep down, every single person knows there's meaning to life. And we are restless until we discover what it is. And so this explains a lot of problems in people's lives as well as a lot of problems in the world. The the reason you might not be what you want to be, the reason why um, your life is not fulfilling, it might be because you're searching for what makes life meaningful and you haven't found it yet. And so this causes anxiety, it causes stress, it causes restlessness. We find fulfillment in life when we know what the meaning of life is and we live into our purpose, what we are created to be. There's a second problem that arises in people's lives. And this is when they think that they have discovered life's meaning. But then as they begin to, to live life and, and, and strive after these pursuits, uh, they're not satisfied by the results. And so in another quote, Thomas Merton says, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find that once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And so sometimes we're striving after good pursuits, but they don't give us what we're searching for. For example, many of us strive after things like security. That's important to us. We want it in our lives. Comfort, victory, and all of these things are nice, but they're not going to give us the fulfillment that we find in pursuing God and doing good to others. God has told us what makes life meaningful, and and many of us have read the Bible, and we understand these passages. We know these passages. The problem is we don't take them seriously. We don't apply them to our lives. We continue to make security or comfort the number one thing that that we're searching after. And our spiritual life is second at best. And we then wonder, well, why is my life not more meaningful? This morning, we're going to look at four questions that will help reorient our lives so that we can have a life of abundance, the the life that Jesus promised. And so we want to take an introspective look at ourselves. We want to look at what matters most. And you may discover some things about yourself this morning that you did not know. Or you may find out that, that you need to rearrange your priorities in order to live the life that God intended for you to live. And so as we explore these these four questions, um, hopefully you'll write them down. Maybe you got one of the handouts there, which makes it a little bit easier. And, and, And take these questions with you and revisit them throughout the week. So the first question is this, what is my ultimate purpose? What is my ultimate purpose? Now, this is the question that Thomas Merton says we must 
answer in order to be content and find meaning in our lives. This is where we have to begin. And so this question is actually addressed multiple times in Scripture. On several occasions, Jesus has asked, what is the greatest command? And what he offers is a summation of our purpose in life. And so in Mark 12, 30 through 31, he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so our purpose here in this world is to love God and love others. This is what we were created to do. Now we can deny these things and be restless. But until we live into this purpose, we won't find the meaning that we seek. Uh, this same purpose is presented in uh, different language in other passages. For example, in Micah 6 and verse 8, in the Old Testament, in the prophets, the prophet writes, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, the word justice in the Bible means this. It means to do what is right. It's a little bit different than how we define justice, but, but that's what it means. And so we are to do what is right to people around us. And so, for example, if we know someone that doesn't have enough food, then the right thing to do is take some of our food, which we have plenty of, and, and give that food to them. That's justice. Whatever is not right in this world, we seek to make it right. We're also to be merciful to the people around us. And so we are a forgiving people. We are graceful to the people we meet. We do not treat them as they deserve, just as God did not treat us as we deserved. And so when Jesus says we are to love our neighbor, he's not talking about some emotional feeling that we're to have concerning them. He doesn't mean that we're to feel all, you know, ooey and gooey inside and just, you know, kind of wrap them up and love on them like that. No, to love our neighbor means this. It means to do what's right toward them. It means to treat them with mercy, grace, and kindness. It means to forgive them when they mess up. And this is what love is. Um, the prophet also says that we're to walk humbly with God. And so to love God is to have a relationship with him. And so we're to follow his commands. We are to pray to him regularly. We are to listen to his voice through scripture. We are to be shaped into the image of God. We are to study the life of Jesus because Jesus is the fullest revelation of God that we have. And so our purpose is to live with God, to love him, and to love all the people that he has created. The next question we need to ask ourselves is, who am I? And this may seem like a, you know, sort of deep philosophical question. But what we need to find out is where we fit in God's kingdom. And so none of us are alike. We were all created differently. And this is what makes the world so interesting. It is what makes the church so interesting. Um, God did not create robots he created human beings, and this is acknowledged throughout Scripture. 
In Romans 12, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ or different. According to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so we all have a place in God's kingdom. We all have something to contribute. We all have something we can do. And we need to look at ourselves and figure out what that is. We need to figure out who we are. So you can ask yourself, what do you like? You know, um, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? Uh, You may be a good mechanic. And if that's your talent, then you can use that in order to glorify God. Because there are people in need in our community who can't afford to get their car fixed. And you can love others by helping them out. You may be a good cook and you can minister to others by preparing food for them when they're sick or maybe when they're going through a tough time. You may be blessed with the ability to carry on a conversation. And there are many people all around us who are lonely. And the one thing that they desire more than anything else is to have a visit from someone. And that's a great blessing. It's a great talent. It's a great gift. So if our lives are going to be meaningful, then we need to find out what we're good at. And once we do that, We need to use those talents in order to glorify God. He has blessed us with certain gifts, and our lives become meaningful when we begin to use these gifts and we give ourselves to God and give ourselves to others. The third question is, what is right in front of me? What is right in front of me? And now this question may seem simplistic, but I think it's extremely important if you're going to have a a blessed life, an abundant life, a life of fulfillment. Um, The book of Ecclesiastes is a book about the meaning of life. And so uh, what what goes on in that book is, is Solomon, who writes it, he sought out uh, to find what makes life meaningful. And he had all the resources that that you could possibly have. And he went down many roads. He tried many different things. He tried it all. And some of the things he discovered was that if you strive too hard, then you're going to miss out on life. For example, he wrote this. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his work. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. So the wisdom of Solomon here is pay attention to what's right in front of you. Eat, drink, enjoy your work. He says, what is not good, uh, what does not lead to a um, fulfilling life is this business of gathering and collecting. Gathering and collecting. And so we often think that we're going to be happy or content 
after we reach a certain point in our life, we think, you know what? Um, things aren't going too well right now. I'm, I'm not very content. I've, I've got a lot of anxiety and stress. I'll be happy when I'm married. I'll be happy when I have a child. I'll be happy when I get my dream job. I'll be happy when I get a new home. I'll be happy with whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so what we do is we keep striving and striving. We keep gathering and collecting. And we keep putting off our happiness. And we make excuses for ourselves. We think that we're not happy, we're not content, we're not fulfilled because we haven't reached the goal that we've set for ourselves. And we just need to, you know, try a little harder and climb a little higher and then eventually we're going to get to that point. And the truth is that right now you have everything you need to have a meaningful and fulfilling life. Let me say that again. Right now you have everything that you need to have a meaningful and fulfilling life. And you need to embrace what God has given you. You need to embrace your work. You need to embrace your relationships. You need to enjoy life's simple pleasures, what's right in front of you. And these are God's gifts to you. Learn to be content. Finally, we need to ask ourselves, what will matter in the end? What will matter in the end? And so sometimes we work and work for things that don't really matter in the end. What will last beyond the grave? What are the truly important things in our lives? I imagine, you know, if we were to sit here and make a list, that we could probably list them all on one hand. God. Our relationship with the creator of the universe is of utmost importance. We're going to spend eternity with God. And so this should be number one. This should be the most important thing in our life. Second, church. God has blessed us with a community of believers who all have the same goal. Uh, Merville talked about that this morning. He did, he did a wonderful job of expressing um, what the church is and what the church does. And our same goal is that we want to be like Jesus and we want to do good to those around us. And so the church is our spiritual family. And we're going to commune with them. They're going to be there, you know, after we die in the new heavens and new earth. And then we have our earthly family that we must look after and we must take care of. And we must assist them with, you know, their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. And so the most important thing that we can do for our family members is to share Jesus with them. And finally, there's these relationships. And so we learn in Scripture that every person on this earth has been created in the image of God and that how we treat one another is of utmost importance. And the influence we have on the people around us has the potential of lasting beyond the grave. And so when we begin to think about what will matter in the end, it's not a big house, it's not a nice car, it's not the size of your bank account or how many 
possessions you can accumulate. It's what we do for God, and it's what we do for others. And that's it. Now, I know that we have not talked specifically this morning about money, time, or possessions. But all of these questions that we've looked at apply to these topics. You know, how are you using your money, time, and possessions to serve God and to serve others? What are you seeking after in this life? What are you giving yourself to? Too often, we are stressed in this life or restless because we're striving after all the wrong things. We're giving ourselves to things that will not last. We're not paying attention to what is right in front of us. We're not utilizing our gifts for the glory of God. Our life is not meaningful because we're searching for meaning where there is no meaning. And so if we're going to be set free from the burdens of life, then we need to begin by figuring out what matters most. And so your homework this week is to continue to create space in your life, continue to get rid of things that are unnecessary, but also spend some time with these questions that we looked at this morning. Go over them, talk about them with your spouse or with your family members, and begin to live for what matters. Uh, You know, if you discover that that you're giving yourself to a lot of things that that do not matter in the end, then you need to start to to minimize that part of your life. And with that extra time and with that extra energy, you need to start loving God and loving others. So come back next week. We're going to take an in-depth look at time. And so if that's an issue for you, if you feel like you're stressed um, because you just don't have enough time and you're busy, And be sure and be here next week. Let's pray. Well, Father, from whom all blessings flow, we thank you for all the many things that you've given us in our lives. And we know that we have enough. Sometimes it's we lack the faith to just give everything over to you and to live like that. This week, we ask you to be with us as we examine our lives and we strive to, to minimize those parts that, that, that we've given to things that, that do not matter, that do not last, that cause us stress, that cause us anxiety. And we start to maximize the part of our lives that are devoted to you and to loving others. We're so thankful for Jesus who taught us how to live this life and how to have the life that we all desire. We pray all this in his name. Amen.